Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Good morning, Cape Cod Church. Man. So good to be together. I love these moments when we're able to come together, all together, one service, one family together. There's something precious about those moments of worship, and I don't want to miss the opportunity and uh, to lean in and talk about some things that are important. I thought about how to introduce this, and I was taken back years and years ago. I was visiting, and this is probably, I don't know, the church was maybe seven, eight years old. I can't even really remember. And I, I was visiting with a family that was fairly new. I was in their home, which is sort of unusual. I just remember going in their home and them telling me that they were fans of the band U2. No big deal. U2 has lots of fans, right? And then garden variety U2 fans. Because the whole house was U2. In fact, there was what looked suspiciously like a shrine to U2 in their house. I mean, albums, signed things, pictures of them at concerts around the world. I'm like, man. These guys love you too. Have you ever been to somebody's house and it's just like, man, it is just immediately clear what they love. I went to a house one time and the, you, as soon as you walked in, I'm like, you need to move to Orlando because you love Disney way, way too much. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was everywhere. I've got, a, I've got a good friend who shall remain nameless who is the yard sale king. And when you go to his house, Literally, this guy, if you need to borrow something, this guy has one of everything because he's bought it at a yard sale over the last 20 years. When he retires, <laughs> his kids are in so much trouble when they have to clean out that house. Man. If you walked into our house, I was trying to think of it. It's kind of a shrine to baking, if you know my wife. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of baking and books, but all of that has been overtaken by Ruby, the dog. Now, the whole, it's, it's, everything is designed around the dog. Hmm. My guess is, when you walk into Cape Cod Church and you look around for a while, at some point, you're going to come across these two words that are inescapable at Cape Cod Church. Live fully. I mean, they are hard to miss. They're on logos. They're on t-shirts. They're on hats. There's even on the wall. In fact, about a year ago, we decided, man, this is such an important concept. We wanted to put it on the wall. We were doing some redecorating, and we put it on. And, but I'm going to tell you, this is a little behind the scenes. I was, it was in the foyer, and the letters are like, I don't know, eight or ten feet tall. And I was nervous. I'm like, man, we put these things up and make it look like a giant gymnasium. What will people think? And so we, I mean, we... we you got to get the colors right and the font right and put it up. I mean, just, I mean, it's in the lobby. Ten, I mean, ginormous. And then the, the first week, I was like, I was waiting and like, oh, well, nobody noticed. <laughs> Some of you didn't know there were 10-foot-tall letters in the lobby that say live fully. You're going to leave here and go, what? Oh, there, how in the world do we miss 
10 foot tall letters. <laughs> it's true, you can, you can miss it. And unless we revisit every once in a while what it's all about, it just becomes a, a pithy saying, just a, a slogan. Live fully. What does that actually mean? Because underneath it is something that matters to us. Underneath it is this idea that as a church, we're on a mission to help people discover a full life with God. You see, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I have come to give people life and life to the full. And it's not just a one-time saying. Really, from the very beginning pages of Scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, we discover that God loves to give the gift of life. He is a creative, life-giving God. And even when the system is broken and sin enters into the world and destruction and brokenness are everywhere, He wants to give us life and life to the full. That's physical, and it's spiritual, and it's the mission that we are on together. And in many ways, it has formed the heartbeat of our church these last 31 years, helping people discover a full life with God. A couple of years ago, I I, I shared with you and have shared a few times since how that this has sort of found its way over 31 years into five commitments that we make as a church. They're just, they're commitments that reveal the heartbeat of our community. They tell you a little bit about our, our, our culture, our style, our passions. And I thought that this weekend would be a good opportunity just to revisit each of those in brief. It's a good way to celebrate this moment. And there's a story that does it really, really well. And the story takes place in Mark chapter 2, because in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is, uh, uh, he, he is in this pattern of going back and forth between being alone and being surrounded. That was what happened. Jesus would find his way to a silent spot, away from everybody, and he would refuel there. And then he'd make his way back to the village or the city, and when he got there, the crowds descended on him. And that's what happens here. Let me read it to you, because in this short story, all five of these commitments show up in some way. Here's what it says, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. This was, this was his hometown, in the region where everyone knew him. And it says, in verse 2, it says, Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door while he was preaching God's word to them. I just want to pause there. Jesus is preaching to the crowds. The room is full. You couldn't even get inside the house. But I just want to pause here because 
the story is not about the crowd. <laughs> no, the story is not about all the people that had packed into the house. In fact, this story is about one person. One person who's not even there yet. And that's how we start. Because our very first commitment, and from the very first day, this has been part of our heartbeat. We are for the one who is not here yet. You see, it's easy for churches to become inward-focused, serve the crowd. You're for the one who's there. But there is something inherently to the heart of Jesus and his church when we turn our eyes outward and we constantly lean towards the one who's not here yet. Where we're always looking and eager to make space, make way, offer a seat for the one who's not here yet. You'll hear it in how we announce and share a new album launching. Our heart beats for the one who's not here yet. Tim and I went out to dinner uh, last weekend. Went, we just thought it was Sunday night. And in my mind, nobody goes out to dinner on Sunday night. Eh, wrong. <laughs> so I thought, we're going to get in. And it was uh, Tammy and our daughter, Brooke. And we were... We were trolling downtown Falmouth. I thought maybe I'll get lucky. I should have played the lottery, but I just thought maybe we'll get lucky. And we pull up in front of one of our favorite restaurants and I let them out and I said, go, you know, go, go put our name, go try and get a table. I'll go, I'll go park the car and walk over. And by the time I walk over, they're standing at the front door and they said, we put our name in and there's a wait. I'm like, how long? And they said, we're not sure. They said either 30 minutes or an hour. And at that moment, I did the math, and I realized I had 30 minutes in me, but I didn't have an hour in me. I would settle for lesser food at an hour, but for 30, I could probably, you know what I'm doing, how you do that math. And, but I'm like, well, what do you mean? They said, I just couldn't understand whether it said 30 minutes or an hour. I'm like, I'll go in and check. So I walked back in, probably looking like Attila the Hun, up to the young lady at the hostess station, and I said, hey, we just put our name in. And I'm just wondering, how long is the wait? And she looks at me and she says, it's an hour. I'm like, oh. But as I do that, a more senior hostess walks up from behind her and says, oh, wait, 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 how many are you? Oh, there's three of us. And she leans over and says, oh, let's, hey, why don't we move this one over here and this one over here and then they can have this table by the window. And I thought, I love you. <laughs> like, who? Can you work at every restaurant I enjoy going to? We could seat you right now. And we did. We sat right, you know, prime seat, Overlooking Main Street, watching everybody who can't get a seat walk by the front window. How great is that? Good stuff. That sounded slightly bitter. I didn't mean it to come off that way. Here's what I'm saying. We want to be the kind of church and community that says, we can find a way. 
We can find a way. We can find a seat. We can find an opening. We can find an opportunity. We can find a conversation. We're here for the one who's not here yet. Watch what happens next in this story. <laughs> this, is, this is where, if you're familiar with the story, the good stuff starts to happen. It says in verse 3, back to verse 2, it says, While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, right? This is the, the, the five friends. Four men carrying a friend on a mat. Three of the Gospels tell us this story, but they don't, they don't tell us who the four men are. They don't tell if, it was, if he had brothers. It doesn't say so, so I'm assuming not. I mean, it could have been some of Jesus' disciples, but I sort of feel like if it was the disciples, they would have snuck the credit in to the story. There's four men, four friends. How important is that to us, right, that we have people to walk with us when we can't walk for ourselves? You see, the essence of being a, a church community is community. In fact, our, our second commitment is that we create community that becomes family, that there's, there's a depth to it. We want to move beyond the idea. See, it's, it's easy for church to be an event that you attend for an hour or so on Sunday. And I get it. Like, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not opposed. In fact, many ways, that's what we call the front door, right? Because there's a lot of things about coming together that are just inherently good. I mean, the band is amazing, and I love listening to them. And the bagels are on point, and the kids' program, I mean, they got their own playground. What's not to love? Right? And the seats are comfortable, and the building's beautiful, but I just want to go on record as saying those things are all the front door. Let me, and by front door, here's what I mean. Like, they're the, they're, they're the way we enter in, they're the first things you encounter. It's like when you go to somebody's house and you knock on the door, and they meet you at the front door, and they welcome you in. And the first place you are is in the lobby. And, and, and when we gather together in moments like this, that's what it's like. It's like we've opened the front door and we've walked in and we're just, we're, we're standing there in the, in the lobby. But the hope is that, have you ever been to somebody's house and they won't let you buy the lobby? It's a sign, it's a sign. You know, they're not that into you. I mean, the invitation is like, come, come, sit at our table. Let's have dinner together. Let's have a coffee together. Let's sit in our, 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 our living room space and let's share the stories of our life. Like we, and what we're, what we're saying as a church is that we want to be more than an event that we come to, that there's a, a community and that community actually grows in many instances into something that has all of the trappings of family, people carry us we can't walk ourselves that's what Christ meant for his church if you've read this story you know the next part is well this is the part that everybody loves verse 4 <laughs> they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd I mean, this place bit packed can't get in and nobody's given up their space either Oh, oh, Jesus is a healer. This guy can't walk. You should let, no, nobody's, everybody wants to be close to Jesus. It says, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. 
Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. <laughs> I've preached this more times than I can remember. In fact, I remember uh, when, when Britt was in, was in the eighth grade, I remember her giving a speech at school on this passage. And you can just picture the dust falling down, straw, mud on the floor, holes getting bigger and bigger and bigger, big enough to fit a body through, tearing up dude's house. How would you feel about that? By the way, there's a good chance that this was not an anonymous house. There's a good chance that this is the home of Peter and Andrew. In the chapter just before, it says that Jesus went to stay, same town, at the home of Peter and Andrew. And then a chapter later, it talks about him staying there. It doesn't specify, it may, it may not be, but we know this, there's a hole in the roof. I've always imagined that the homeowner was a little bit annoyed. I mean, they didn't have homeowner's insurance. Who's going to fix the hole? Because that's sort of how I think. It's going to fix the hole. Maybe not, though. Maybe when the story was over and the man walked home and people were left speechless, maybe Peter, whoever it was that owned the home, stood there in silence and just kind of looked up at the hole in the roof and what had just happened in his home. Maybe a neighbor came over and looked and said, what happened? And he says, let me. Oh, man, you won't believe what happened. And he begins to tell the story. I don't know. I wonder if he just decided to install a skylight We should leave that. We got, to be a, we got to be a part. What a gift to be able to give. What a gift to be able to give. Our, our third commitment as a church is that we will give generously to care for people's lives. In fact... This is the only one of our five commitments that we've added a measurable metric to. When we introduced it a couple of years ago, we said, we're going to measure what matters. And what matters is not what we've got or what we get, but what we're able to give. So you may remember this. We've talked about it a number of times since that just a little over two years ago, 2021, we announced that we had a goal. We were going to set a measurable goal to give away $1 million in three years. That we wanted to partner with organizations here on the Cape and around the globe to give people life, physical and spiritual. In June, after just 30 months, you had given... One million twenty-eight thousand. Hmm. 
Let me be precise, $1,028,494 by June in 30 months. Here's what you did. You gave $31,000 to local addiction recovery, $30,000 to disaster relief in places like Haiti, Syria, and Hawaii, $35,000 to support efforts in Ukraine to care for people, $25,000 for a feeding center in Thailand, $25,000 to build a church in Tanzania, $40,000 to local families over two years at Christmas, $40,000 to build a community life building in Costa Rica, $50,000 to build a habitat home here in our community, $50,000 to build a home in the Dominican Republic for teen moms who've been rescued from the sex trade. $50,000 to build a home for Cape Kids Meals that's serving kids who don't have anything to eat on weekends and $50,000 to provide job training in New England for women rescued from the sex trades. And that is, yeah. So some of you are really good at math and you added that up in your head. So I'm here to say that's not even half of it. I love being a part of a community that just wants to lean in with generosity and say, God, what would you allow us to do? We give generously to care for people's lives. And we're not done. That was just the start and Perhaps, if God allowed us to do it in 30 months, maybe next time he allows us to do it in 24 months. Who knows? But we're committed to being a community that measures ourselves not by what we have or what we get, but by what we give. Verse 5 tells what happens next. Man is laying there in front of Jesus and four friends are up on the roof looking down and says in verse 5 as seeing their faith Jesus said to the paralyzed man my child your sins are forgiven but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there the religious muckety mucks thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive their sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, how do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. Today I'm giving you life, forgiveness, spiritual wholeness because of your faith. And as a bonus, you get to walk home. And people were mad. They were mad. 
because they had a system. Jesus is messing with our system, they were thinking, and Jesus called them out on it. They were thinking, wait, 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 that's not the way it works. The way it works is our way. We have rules to keep and sacrifices to make. And that's the way it works. And it's working just fine, Jesus. Don't mess with the system. And Jesus comes in and says, no, it's not. It's not working. Because nobody can keep all your rules. And nobody can make all the sacrifices. So I'm going to give people life as a gift. And that bothered them. You can't do that. We got, we got a system. We got, we got rules. You got to keep, th- these, these are, this is how you get in. You keep the rules, you make the sacrifices. And Jesus says, no, it's not. Your faith has made you whole. Time and time again through the gospel stories, Jesus would call on people to believe and then follow. Believe and then follow. He wasn't shy about telling a woman, listen, you're good. Go and sin no more. Believe and follow. Believe and follow. The message of the gospel is that God wants to give us life as a gift, as a free gift. And it is inherently hopeful because it is available to everyone. That's the story we have. And at the center of it is Jesus. And I'm just saying, we're doubling down on this story. It all comes back to Jesus. He is at the center of the story. Even the child agrees with me. It's amazing. (laughs) I love kids. See, you all weren't applauding me and the kid's like, I got to get this going. Here we go. (laughs) The message of the gospel is hopeful. And it's available to everyone. It's something to celebrate. And that's what we do as a church. In fact, that's our fifth commitment. You may remember when I first talked about this and we sort of quantified this down that we had originally had four, but it felt like something was missing, something of the heartbeat of our community. And that something was, was celebration because we love a party. If there's nothing else, we love a party. I love how it finishes here. Verse 12 says, And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. I wonder how he walked. I've been walking like this. (laughs) Cameraman just lost me. Sorry about that, Laura. Camera woman, I'm sorry. Man. Y'all argue about whether he can do that or not. I'm going home (laughs) before he changes his mind. 
or let you guys be in charge. Good grief. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. People are like, check, check this out. So here's what we said. That we would create a culture of celebration that reflects heaven. This is not a culture of, of, of hype or of, of, of mindless celebration for celebration's sake. It's a, a celebration. We want to applaud what heaven applauds. We want to reflect the joy of heaven. And all through Scripture, there is a joyfulness around the message and hope that is in Jesus Christ and what happens when people turn to him. And we celebrate that, whether it's through the applauding of a song and the message of a song, and we're like, that song says what I believe. That's why we applaud it. I've said it before. If you go down south, they say amen to everything, but New Englanders, we don't amen nothing. We just applaud, right? That's, that's, that's a New Englander's amen right there. I'm with you, I'm with you. Some of you applaud up high. Most of you applaud like this. I'm with this group right here. I'm a true New Englander. I got carried away. Celebration that reflects the celebration of heaven. That's why in October, we'll, for the third year in a row, we'll come back to the story project and we'll hear the stories of life transformation and how God has been at work in people's lives. And we'll see those stories up on the screen and we'll applaud what God has done because what better thing to applaud? And we'll follow that up in November with a month of celebration and our Be Full celebration where we celebrate what God is allowing us to do around the world through our missions partners and here across the street on Cape Cod. And next weekend, <laughs> next weekend's one of our biggest celebrations of the year because after church, we're going to the beach. And nearly 50 people already have signed up to give testimony to the fact... You want to give testimony to the fact, this, this is my story. Jesus Christ is my Savior, and he has changed my life. And every person that goes down into the water is a testimony of God's work in their lives. And that's what we're all about, folks. That's the heartbeat of Cape Cod Church. And my invitation to you is to link arms, join together, give everything you have to help people discover a full life with God because they're not going to find it anywhere else. But in Jesus Christ, we have this great, great hope. So, would you bow your heads with me? As we sit on the, the doorstep of this fall and kind of a, a, a new ministry year going into the fall and through the winter, we're so eager for what God is going to do next. And we're mindful that it's his work.
We're just following his lead. So together, would you pray with me? And invite God to do something through us that we could never do ourselves. Father, you've been you've been good to us. You've blessed our our church and our community. You've enabled us to have this home for our church and you've filled it with people. You've blessed us with the ability to give and give and serve our community and our neighbors. And Father, we want to be faithful with your gifts. We we don't want to go through the motions and we don't want to turn our attention inward and serve ourselves, Father. We want to ever keep our eyes towards the one who's not here yet. We want to create community that feels like family and we want to live generously while we tell people the story of life. Life to the full that is found only in Jesus Christ. And today, Father, we celebrate that. And we ask you for more. More opportunity, more ability to take the hopeful message of Jesus Christ across the street and around the world. We pray this in Jesus' name.